Welcome back to another episode of First Strike. I'm joined, as always, with Miss Police Ginger and Andy Awkward. How's it going, boys? It's going well. How are you? It's uh, it's it's a struggle. It's a struggle. I, I'm I always feel like Andy's doing a lot better than me because, like, man, with the kid, I just like put her to to nap. I'm like, yes, I can finally do something, and then I sit. On my computer chair and i'm just like a zombie i'm like i actually don't want to do anything <laughs> it's it's tough man it's tough to be uh <laughs> it's not easy being a parent who like cares yeah like, there's parents out there who like aren't the best but like when you really are trying your hardest it's tough out there especially like managing your time is the thing that's like been the toughest for me just for example like i play a couple basketball leagues still play magic still play games and like to hang out with my wife and kids. It's tough. It's tough out there, you know? So we just had, uh, what you're going to hear after this is like a, a pretty good conversation we had with Dreams of Ashiok. He just top-aided F2F Saskatoon, and he's been playing with some of the new cards from, from the new Phyrexia set, so it's kind of good to get his thoughts. He actually named a few cards that he liked in not only the modern format, but the Pioneer format as well. And uh, we got into it with your guys' thoughts on modern. So good conversation. But uh, I guess before we throw our listeners to that, let's just have a little extra fun. Uh, we tried to get you know, Ash talking about the best players of all time or the best player in Canada talk. But he's, he's, he's too new. He's too fresh, right? He's too fresh. He doesn't, hasn't heard of the accolades. Probably doesn't even know who LSV is. So um, it, it was something to have this conversation. But... Of course, we had the fun list that's been created well, by, I think, Daniel Fournier, right? Um, originally, I think the original list was created by Alex Hayne, if I'm not mistaken, the Mark Anderson scale. I feel like he made it and that he would place or have the community placed players in Canada on that list with Mark Anderson being zero. And if you were better than him, you'd be you know, one, two, three, four, five, or if you were worse than him, minus one, minus two, minus three. And it's like sports debate shows. People just love this type of thing. Who's the best province? Who's the best player? Who's the best, you know, Canadian player of all time? Who's the best active player? Um, and, and he's linked me to the list. And we have Eduardo Sajalik uh, as number one. And, uh, you know, it's just funny to, to have misplaced Ginger at zero. Um, I don't know why that selection was made, but uh, or or why Alex <laughs> decided to pick Mark at zero. It's almost as if it's like, okay, you're the you're like the median player or whatever. But thoughts <laughs> thoughts on when the list uh, came out, uh, Derek? When when you heard that you there's a scale literally centered around you? Well, it, it was very funny because when when we came back from Calgary, I had a conversation with Andy and Van Vols, who uh, also top eight at Toronto, about like getting together people for a testing team. And Fournier top eight at Calgary, and so I was like, well, let's invite him. We know Fournier. He's good. We know he'll play. Um, and he he started talking around Christmas. He's like, Merry Christmas. I have a, a great content idea that you guys are going to love, the misplaced ginger scale. And I guess this is something he was thinking about and like cooking up before about, like, I'm bored on Christmas. Let's uh, Let's do this. And so Fournier was around for, I guess, the Mark Anderson scale um, and was around for the the Haynes stuff. So who's better than to pass on the 
the notes than uh, Fournier. And so he made this up. And uh, yeah, the rules are if you're on the list, you can add somebody to the list and you can move, I think, two people up or down two spots, I believe, is the rules. Um, and I think he chose me as the zero because I was talking a lot of uh, smack at the time and running my mouth, if you will. And I also think I am one of the more known Canadians on the list uh, in the past couple years due to streaming and making content um, in my recent success. So I think it's, it's easier for people to identify who I am as an individual and then work around that idea is sort of how I understand what's going on. Yeah, you're the, the marketing golden egg. This thing's going to do numbers, baby, is what he's Oh, thinking. yeah, we're, we're pumping it out. We're talking about it. We're going to put T-shirts with this on the back of it. Like, uh, like what's that? That Joy Division? But instead of the, the waves, it's just this, a little wavy. Created and curated by Canada's Best. Well, right now, I mean, we've got Derek at zero and Andy at minus two. How do you feel about that, Andy? I think Derek puts in like 10 times the amount of work I do like at the current moment. So it's like only fair that he's going to be better than me right now. Like, and that's sort of one of the things you accept when you take trade-offs in your life. Like I'm really successful in a lot of other things. Derek, just successful in magic. (laughs) So it's, it's a lot of give, give and uh, give and take and he can have magic. I would just like to point out that there is no Andy scale about life success. So all this is just uh, like made up. It's it's a fake idea in his head. There is a misplaced ginger scale for magic. This is quantified. This is ranked. So uh, as much as Andy wants to make up excuses about how great he's doing in life, uh, it doesn't matter. There's no scale. The scale is what matters. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty fair. And I think the scale is actually because it's been – touched by like i think most of the people on the list i'm sure there's some exceptions of people we wouldn't let touch the list because we don't like them and they don't deserve to touch the list but (laughs) um yeah i think it's pretty pretty good like there's like a few changes i would probably make but and obviously like there's a lot more people who like deserve to get added to the lower part of the list but yeah i think it's a fun thing to do like if people are into it and yeah, it's it's cool. It drives a lot of conversation. It's like feels fun to like boast about being good. Feels good to be validated. And like it's a lot of good vibes and some like fun beef. It's it's good. It's a, it's good content. And it was uh, of course made with Derek's consent. We're we're going to link this in the show notes on uh the magic.facetofacegames.com uh post. So people can check out the list. Like I remember they got rid of uh, well, that's what I've heard the reason was like they got rid of the Elo system to reduce like field bads. And and I feel like if that was truly one of the reasons we look at this and we see some of the names being like minus 17. I, I don't I wouldn't want to be like if this list grows, like I, I'm minus 200, you know. <laughs> Getting on the list is like a le- legitimate achievement. Like being recognized by your peers for someone to add you to the list of great Canadian magic players is an achievement. And if you're not higher on the list, do something about it. Yeah. I I also think like if you consider yourself a competitive magic player, you should want to aspire to be better at all points. 
And if, if you're doing that, like if you're succeeding at that goal, you'll just end up on the list. I think like KYT, you have a kid and you, you do a lot of work for face to face. Like you're not on the list. Cause like Andy said, you're doing other things with your time and that's okay. And like, this is back to like, it's all in good fun is I put a lot of time into magic and I, I'm, I'm having results for that reason. Uh, I think people take these things way too personally. They need to like, not it's almost everything in life is just about how much time and effort you put into it and like what goals you make and how you work towards those goals. If your goal is to be good at magic, like I got some news for you, you can do it. You know, like you want to, you want to graduate and get a good job. Great. Let's uh, let's figure that out for you too. You know, um, on that note, I do. That reminds me, I do want to shout out uh, Sébastien Lachance, who has been basically pioneering um, content in Quebec. Um, came up with this Facebook page, MTG Quebec. You know, reminds me of a lot of work some of us did back in the day to bring up the community. So he even like has his own logo, active page, made a also a website I think where people can see all the qualifiers in Quebec and I'm reminded of that because at the end of the year he decided to you know call out players of the year in in Quebec so that I think that's really cool stuff like that to sort of um bring attention and I think his I think Eduardo was his one up or if not the player of the year and it's funny to see him also at the top of this list so it, it is cool when people um could do this in, in a positive way like highlight um some of the top players and, and him, like some of the top players in the province. And um, that's, that's what I always wanted to know. Like who are the, who are considered the top players of actually each province and to learn more about these players. But Andy, I have a question. Do you think like, how, how do you think people should get influenced by how they judge a player is like PT results going to be pretty important moving forward. Uh <laughs> there's so much nuance to that it's like unanswerable but right the things you have to consider are like you you hate to say just results because like people who are poor or bad can have good results and people who are really good can just like have things not go their way a few times maybe they, they haven't had a lot of opportunities yet but i think one of the best ways for me is just you have a conversation with them and based on the way that they view it view the game or talk about the game or like are open to new ideas and the people who approach things that like they're not at, they don't think they're absolutely correct and are willing to have their mind changed. You can just tell those people are the people with like the learn mindset. And those tend to be the kind of people who are very successful in magic. So you can just ha kind of have a conversation with someone. Then you like cross reference that with some of their results, maybe watching other people's, or listening to other people's opinions on them and just kind of trusting and taking all that data and then kind of figuring out like, how good do you think this person is or how much potential do you think they have? I wonder if at some point, if I'm mixing, if they had a, they had a Mark Anderson list for like East coast and they had a West coast list. I feel like, I feel like they might've come up at one point. There was a West coast list. I feel like. Well, the West Coasters wanted to get on the list, so they had to make a West Coast list. <laughs> Give me attention. We're important, too. You guys... Catch oh. that Alberta, you know? 
I love Alberta, by the way. <laughs> yes. um, but I guess uh, with that, with that said, with that fun, uh, fun little thing, fun little discussion, and check the list if you're interested. And I mean, hopefully, I'd, I'd love to see the list get r- pretty big. Right now, it seems uh, 23 players, I guess. So, all right. That said, we'll uh, enjoy the conversation we have with Ash. And now we got Dreams of Ashiok on the show. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's been a while, but I'm happy to see you back on the show, buddy. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we we just had our uh, face-to-face games tour stop in Saskatoon. Um, things have been, just to talk about it really quickly, uh, despite what some people might have comments on in terms of the MTG formats and how playable they are, how healthy they are, what we've seen, like the first event in Montreal, the main event, the online attendance capped out, and uh, we sold all the commander packages that we had uh, that we put up online. Same thing for Saskatoon. Um, although the main event wasn't as large this time as last time, there were pre-release events with other stores that we partnered with, um, and Commander was on fire, and, and I wasn't physically there, but people were telling me they were trying to make tables for, oh, yeah. for all the players that were coming in. So things are popping for the FWF Tour event, so I expect Calgary and Toronto to be the same um, heading into uh, the middle of this month. And then next month with Vancouver and Ottawa, I think those events should be popping in as well. It's 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 a great year, uh, great start. We're, like I'm really happy with the... Uh, different attendance and uh, you top aided with some new Phyrexia cards, so that's why I, I'd love to pick your brain on the, how the cards impact not only modern but pioneer. But let's just jump right to it. What did you play and uh, how did you do? Uh well, uh, going into the going into Saskatoon, I knew I, I learned that Phyrexia ones are gonna our cards are gonna be illegal from a judge friend of mine because he was telling them uh, telling uh, about how he got briefed on about all of it, and I was like, okay. There's a bunch of these new cards. One of them has to be broken. I just had to try to figure out which one. I went through the list, and Tyvar always caught my caught my interest, and I always thought this card was really cool. And I saw Bob and Cheese on Twitter talking about Devoted Druid, and I was like, that'd be sick. And I tried a whole bunch of different lists. I've tried ones like some Aether Vials. I tried one with um, four main deck Burning Forge Tenders. And I was like, this would be like sick for Saskatoon, because that's like the burn capital. But... I ended up settling on a bunch of like uh, dorks and just a, a very stock devoted druid list from a buddy of mine, uh, Gr Duncan on Twitter. Um, and yeah, I just was like, this seems like it's gonna be either I'm gonna have a great time or uh, I'm gonna have a good story. And well, I had a great time, and now I also have a good story because I got top it. So, so was it as good? Like, I think that's the first uh, impression people got that it would fit right in with the with a druid. So did it turn out to be, you know, as as good, as broken as as you had thought? Um. So Ty. Uh, so I played with two new cards in this deck. Uh, I should also mention I also played with Tyvar Stand. Um. Tyvar Stand is green and an X pump spell. It gives it a uh, indestructible and hexproof. That card uh killed three times throughout the tournament. So it was also just like a win condition a lot of time, but it was also just like a really important protection spell, which just ended up mattering a lot because uh, I played against three Fury decks, and being able to just save your Devoted Druid a turn just mattered infinitely in those uh, in the matchups that uh, or sorry in those matchups uh, it was like red black sacked or sorry it was red black a uh, sack twice or um scam twice and then uh Merktide. 
Um, and then uh, that card was always like, I, I, I thought that card was kind of like kind of okay because if I drew it in multiples, it was really rough. But if I drew like one, it was the nuts every time. Uh, but Tyvar, Tyvar impressed me so much. The amount of times that my devoted druid died on two was about how many times you would expect it. it every single time, or I won. And when I wasn't winning, uh, Tyvar was bringing back the relevant pieces. It was able to bring back devoted druid, or sorry, uh, or Stoneforge Mystic, which is able to get like Luxar or Longbow, which is either part of the kill. Um, there, it, it just it, it enabled so much of the deck so much quicker. And, uh, like, I think the thing I liked about it the most was just playing Giver of Runes with a Tyvar in play. That was just always sick, because it always just was like, all right, this is the turn. This is, this is, do you have something? And then I would just always merc my opponents, and it was always a great time. The deck, I think the stars just aligned for this weekend for me to get there. And I, I just would say that, like, Tyvar stand was about as medium as I thought it would be, but Tyvar impressed me. Um, would you replace it with anything, then? Um, I think I posted an updated list on Twitter a bit ago. I think I ended up replacing it with a Skyclave Apparition because as I was talking to Duncan and Oversight in the deck building that we both kind of had was that the deck can't really deal with a Pipping Needle outside of like a Baseju, which is not tutorable, really hard to find. Um, and then I added another Noble Hierarch. Uh, I'm thinking I might end up changing it to like some more Burnington Forge Tenders in the main because Fury is a lot more popular in my area, uh, at least when we're, when we're talking about Calgary. Um, and that's really... That's really all the plan cha uh, changes I plan on making. Yeah, yeah, I gotta shout this out. Your Twitter account, Dreams of Ashiok. It uh, February six. Lots of commentary on the deck. Uh, what tier do you put this in? In its uh, latest um, form. Again, I, I I thought the deck was really powerful. I was I was uh, it was always really impressive how consistent it was at like trying to turn two, and if not, it always grinded back. But uh, I would put it at around tier two, tier three, because it. It does hurt. Fury does hurt the deck a lot. It does hurt the deck a lot. There are a lot of red removal based decks out there. So I don't, I, I don't know. I, the, with the version of Druid that I'm playing, I would put it around tier three, tier two. But however, I have seen a lot of different lists that don't play any dorks, that play first genders, that play sagas. I don't know how those lists rank, but overall the strategy, I think it'll fall somewhere around tier three, tier two. And you could probably show up to your FNM and 4 with this or like do pretty well in a face to face again if you wanted to. Well, for anyone wanting to, to try Tyvar, for sure. Uh, did the rest of the field seem like they, they were trying the new cards, or were you one of the few people that were playing with new toys? Uh, I would say I was probably one of the only ones playing with new toys, especially in the amount that I was, because I was playing eight new cards. Um, I was talking to some other friends that were like going to go to attend the event. There was a couple of friends that registered Merktide for the event that were thinking about playing Minor Misstep. I think I, one or two copies maybe got included um that was really it i didn't see a whole lot of new cards either uh i think i might have just been really the only one that was like hey you know what let's ball and well here we are that's sweet that's sweet and i'm recognizing like some of the names that had top aided we had joseph Cariani that we've yep. had um in our last episode uh kyle gellert always top aiding yeah someone that gets uh joseph name dropped a lot in the last episode so yeah, they're, it was funny because they're roommates, right? And they traveled up together from Winnipeg, which I think is like an eight-hour drive. And then they played each other round one. And then they played, <laughs> then they played each other in the quarters for the first round. It was, it was ridiculous that the fact that they then they, they both went one and one. So it was really funny and it worked out. Um, also, Jesse Spears top eight of the event. That guy's on an absolute tear. He was trying to win his second face-to-face -face Saskatoon back-to-back. -back, so go him. Yeah, he won the yeah he won the last one I think when I was looking up uh, how many people showed up last time. Yeah, um, very impressive. 
I don't know. Andy and Derek, I don't know if you've been too busy, like jamming Pioneer and, and uh, more important formats. Have you touched on modern at all? Do you have any comments or questions for uh, Ash's list and cards? Uh, I played uh, modern LCQ last week. Uh, I went up with, well, I didn't go with Edgar, but we talked about um, some of the new decks and some of the new cards. He's been really high on that land that copies amulet. I don't know what it's called. Microsoft Garden. Yeah, I'm really bad with names. Um, he he thinks that card that card's really good. It makes like amulet better. It makes amulet faster. Um, I don't know if it makes it broken. Obviously, like it's very powerful. Uh, I played Hammer and I had the new Kemba in my deck over um, what's the card core. Core Clipper. Yeah, uh, bad with names. Um, and I had one mental misstep, but not mental misstep. Minor. Yeah, uh, <laughs> in my sideboard. And it was okay. Uh, I really don't like the modern format, but whatever. It, it seems healthy. It seems good. And I'm happy that we have a set that doesn't have a bunch of, like, busted, busted cars. Just, like, slight upgrades, slight new cool things to do. And... We'll see what happens over the summer, I guess, with the next uh, MH power level set. Yeah, I was watching uh, a lot of my friends uh, play Amulet Titan pretty consistently, and I just got done watching Twinless Twin play a couple leagues of um, Amulet with the new cards. And uh, I would say that, the, that it, I wouldn't say it's broken, but I would say that it's 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 getting there. It's like one more busted card away from the 6-6 six, six finally being removed. I think the deck is a little bit more explosive with this start, but Amulet still has the problem where Unholy Heat kills a Titan. So And Dress Down, it just like shuts down the deck entirely. I think it's super easy to be counterplayed against, but I do think it brings it up in the tiers. Uh, Derek, you mentioned Michael Sin's Gardens, right? And yep. I don't think... Uh, Mojave didn't play it, right? Nope, he didn't get access to it. Is what he said. He said he wanted to. He said he wanted to try it after the event when it was safer. I believe. <laughs> All right, you just went like you're. You're not like that. You're like, Yolo. Let's look, nah. new cards. Let's go. <laughs> I played exactly one lead or one match, one best of three against Andrew Trainer, where he loaded up Burn, and I played that deck without the Dorks and with Aether Riles, and I had three Burnington Forge tenders. I got no testing done. Very minimal testing, and I was just like, you know what. This deck seems fun. It's good vibes. I, I pick my decks based on vibes. I don't pick it based on competitive availability. Just vibes. <laughs> I love that. Uh, what, what did Andrew bring then? He, br he brought uh, the... he brought Merktide and he went four three because he 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 was running into the 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 good meta the good the, the good players that I think I, oh, at oh oh he played against someone for uh, pretty strong playing like four color and then he immediately like one one and then back down to one two and it was just a, it was a rough time for him. He did not have a good event. Um. All right. I, Andy, I don't think Modern has captured your time, has it? Yeah, I, I like Modern. I love Modern. <laughs> You've been playing it, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have. Uh, it's like the most popular format for all the RCQs near me, so it's like the format I probably keep up to date with the most often. Um, obviously, a lot of focus on Pioneer currently with the Pro Tour coming up, but yeah, I think Modern's in a good spot. I think that Tyvar deck will probably end up in Tier 3, but I have like a different view of the tiers. Maybe like tier one is only Merc, Tide, and Hammer to me. That's and fair. then tier two is like there's quite a few decks in tier two that are all like you look at these decks, you know they could win a tournament, you know they're good. And would it surprise me if Tybar deck made tier two? A little bit, but 
it's a unique enough effect and what it does add is something like it's it's a really powerful effect honestly bringing back the twos and giving them haste is powerful so and being a planeswalker so like it has the stuff to like maybe push it into tier two but uh a lot of red removal going around. I don't know how it deals with Hammer. I don't know how it deals with Merc Tide. And um, about the, the Micasense Garden card, it looks good, and I think it's going to put Amulet back from, like, Tier 3 to Tier 2 for sure, and maybe even to Tier 1. And we'll have, like, people are going to have to adjust to the, the change if Amulet gets much faster just because there's not a lot of super fast decks in the format. So other than Hammer, like has the capability of being super fast and going late. But if Amulet's kind of setting up to be this like pretty difficult to interact with fast deck, people are going to have to adjust. Yeah. And you had told uh, John, our friend, Final Nub, shouts to him, um, that, you know, if he had wanted to invest in a deck to jam and try to qualify, try to come back out of retirement, like Hammer's a safe way to go, right? Yeah, like... It, within tier one, I think Hammer is the best deck. Um, but yeah, and I think it's safe too because like it's super powerful. It's not like it doesn't feel like incredibly busted. It's just really good, and it can go late. It can go fast, and just good deck. Really good, really good. Obviously, and, I think uh, I think you're you're insane for telling John to play it. But that is true. Well, I, I told them John to play. play. I told them to well, play glimpse combo because that's the most unfair thing in the strategy. Well, I mean, when it comes to power level, I think Hammer is better, but Hammer's insanely hard to play, and oh, it's, like yeah. he hasn't played Magic, so it's just like, yeah, give him one of, one of the hardest, like mechanical decks to play, and he'll just be like, I just lost a bunch, and my opponent always had Solitude or Fury, and it's like, well. You see, <laughs> you had to do 400 things different four turns ago, and you don't know what they are. It's like, yeah. cool, thank you for the suggestion for Hammer. I keep playing the deck, and I'm like, I know I'm not good enough for it, but I keep coming back, and I, I keep losing a bunch. I'm like, oh, I hate this format. I just, I get, I'm lucky that I get to watch the Happy Sandwich play it so often. And the sandwich. So, so often when I'm watching him play, I don't understand why he's doing the thing he's doing. And I'm like, oh, that seems bad. And he'll explain why. And I still don't really agree. And then it just very it clicks, clearly works. Like out. three three turns later, it all comes together. Yeah. That time he like didn't make a construct when it looked like so obvious you have to make a construct there. But then he got to like hold up a blacksmith skill in case he drew a second one so he could have like be able to use both well and stuff like that. Just yeah, the deck's really hard. It's uh, akin to like the Ravager affinity when it was in modern and it was really good, yeah. where you have to understand when you must go for it when you should go for it and when not to go for it. And then you have an I win button where you just bonk. Yeah. And your bad matchups, you could just kill them on turn two or three. Bonk. Let's jump uh, into pioneer a bit. Uh, Ash, have you, have you been playing with any new cards in that format or, or thinking of, of uh, their impact on the format? Well, yeah, I, I do a lot of work for uh, the Pioneer. Uh, I forgot what the exact name of the podcast is, but I do a lot of work for them. So I've been really invested in Pioneer, trying to figure out what's busted, trying to brew a whole bunch, just see what works. Um, and uh, the cards that have impressed me the most right now, the ones that I've been testing a whole bunch of is just, I've been trying my old Enchanties list with our Ignatic Incarnation with like plus one Elish Norn and just like trying to bounce the numbers like that. Um, Elish Norn has really impressed me in the format. Uh, not just as like a, I'm going to win the game and outvalue you type card, but just as like an oppression card. 
because the amount of cards that it's just like incidentally shut off has just been like astounding to me. That's been like the most impressive part of just like, oh, I no longer have to think about X removal spell because it's turned off or I don't have to worry about whatever. Um, and other cards that I've been playing with, I've been playing a Mono White Yorion deck that uh, runs Ossification. And Ossification as a card in that shell, at least, has really impressed me. Just such a clean answer on anything. Turn turn two, it's so it's so cheap. Um, and then I've been playing... I understand that this card's going to get memed on, but the Eternal <laughs> Wander is something I've played with. And I think that card has secretly really impressed me. Uh, the clause that only one thing can attack it and then just Plague Winning or like Tragic Air against the board is just... Oh, chef's kiss it's so it's so nice and i've learned so many hidden intricacies because it's plus one can target any artifact and any creature and it comes back on the owner's end step oh I, i've just had a lot of good screenshots just saved up for when i for when i actually make the deck busted or like figure out it entirely i think it's important to point out all previous conversations with ashiok the second he gets put on the big board with the pressure on the line, he walks back how good he thinks the card is. And it means like, I know I'm going to get memed on for this little card, but I think it's uh, pretty good. And before he's like, I think it's really good. This card is great. And I just, yeah. the first thing I said is it looks sort of just like Elspeth Sun's champion where yep. like that card's also just an unbeatable six mana planeswalker if it doesn't die. And honestly, I think that one's harder to deal with in, in like depending I disagree. I disagree entirely. I think I think you underrate the fact of the difference of the board clears. The the one board clears a lot better than the other. But you don't got a board clear when you got three little one ones every turn. Every turn. Yeah, but I have a two two with double strike. What wins? Two two with double strike or a bunch of one ones? My two two with double strike. A, a bunch of one ones. Yeah, but my my planeswalker also removes your one ones at some point. Well, no, guess what? Because they're going to be up in the sky flying. Yeah, but a tragic against GG. Um, force will done. I win the counter play. Moonwalking back to take. I, I I understand. No pressure. I I still have the take that especially in that shell. I think if you're like a standalone, just like I need to play a big dumb walker, like sure, uh, Elspeth Sun's champion. But if you're playing a bunch of bad cards to make the other bad card work, it works out even better. Ash, like I love little, you on the show. Like a little groundhog who who poked his head out, saw his shadow, scurried on back. Bro, I, that means that I think that means there's like six more months of winter. Why wouldn't I scurry back? Derek, um, I don't know how how uh, secretive you've been with your Pioneer prep lately. Is there uh, what what can you tell us about your prep? Uh, I stream almost all the games I play. I'm playing a lot of Black Red. Not super impressed with the format or the set. Uh, I don't think much is changing. Um, feel very similar about Pioneer as I did pre Toronto. I think a lot of people are whining about useless stuff because they like to whine. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited to jam, excited to play. I think this limited format's cool. The, the PT is going to be sick. And uh, I like Pioneer. I like Pioneer a lot. I like it a lot more than Modern. I think um, just like a kind of grindy five-deck, maybe ten-deck format is really good. And, yeah, I'm just going to play Black Red. Shut up, Black you? Oh, sorry. Do you feel it's like about the same as as pre-Toronto? Is anybody, uh, you know, in previous groups or in previous times, some teams wanted to be like secretive about their tact, right, and stuff like that. So, uh, how how has that been for you? Um, I think there's all the information is just like so out in the open these days. Like, it's really hard to 
to hide stuff. Like the last time there was like a deck that was like mostly hidden was like the Oko PT. the The cat food deck was like sort of hidden before the before the PT. And I don't know. I I feel pretty similar about Derek. Black Reds looks really strong still. The things like that I'm interested in from the new set are like pretty obvious. Like the Enchanties deck has some of the best numbers out of like all of the tournaments where it just comes like to the win rate and stuff like that. Obviously the sample size isn't astounding by any means, but it just keeps putting up consistent results in, in those like win matrices. And like, I'm interested in checking it out. It might be like too swingy for me to want to pull the trigger on it for the pro tour, especially like nine, seven recues you. So like you three, three draft, you only have to, what is it? can't do math. Six three the rest. Yeah. Or six four. Oh my god. So easy. Got there. But that uh the consideration in the past, right? To to have a stable record to try to requeue. Well, in the past it was like eleven five or something like that yeah. to requeue. So it was like really tough. Oh yeah, yeah. This one is super easy. And uh and they're making it they're just like giving out a bunch of invites, which is sick. Okay, so there's incentive to not pick like a High, like to not pick a deck that is experimental then yeah, it depends what your goals are like there's right. obviously still like a fifty thousand dollar incentive to, to do it right and also yeah. i think you end up chaining like multiple qualifications if you like do that well okay because there's like the act there's some sort of point system like after x amount of points you get these adjusted match win things and if you get enough of those in a pro tour season you will get another invite so, like, if you do really well in two of them, like, you're going to get invited to, like, quite a few of them. Yeah. I, I, In general, I'm very adverse to doing the, oh, I have to pick this deck for this event and hope to spike. Just because I think over a large sample size, it's you're going to spew equity. Um, I also think that this format specifically is very small. I don't think there's a lot of edge to be gained in random decks. And a lot of that has to do with the punishes being mono green. Uh, red, black, and Lotus, just keeping everything in check. If it's not Thoughtseize, you're losing to a combo on turn five, or Mono Green just beats you up. Um, and so, like, it, it's really hard for there to be a deck that beats all those things unless it's doing something really unfair, and they banned all the unfair things from the format. So, like, you don't really have a lot of room to break it. Maybe you have something that's, like, kind of unknown, and people don't know how to position or maneuver against it, but for the most part, I think there's just going to be rewarding or this format, this PT is going to reward people who have played the format the most, kind of like old modern GPs or PTs were when like Scred won the GP or like, I think Nikachu came second or something. I remember um, for, what was it? The last PT where it was the regional PTs, Canister went on record and said like, there's no reason for me to hide my inverter info. I know this deck's the best and I'd rather like work on it on stream and like actually have conversations with people because hiding info like hinders my success. And then he came second at his regional PT. And it was like, ever since then, even before that, I think Manguchi uh, wrote a little bit about it, but like, it's so silly to hide this info. I think Um, it's like so so few and far between where you actually break it nowadays. The internet's just everywhere. It's near impossible. Yeah, Derek Derek nailed the like constraints of the pioneer format 
really make it tough to do anything outside of that. So like if you're trying to interact a bunch, then there's going to be mono green who like doesn't care about half of your interaction. If you try to be a mid rangey deck, mono green go over the top. If you are like too slow, Lotus Field's going to combo you and not care what you're doing at all. If you're too fast, you're going to get like run over by black red because it's, it's really fast, really efficient. And like has just a bunch of the best cards at all the mana, mana values. It's like, the format doesn't have a lot of wiggle room for things to break into it because all of the outsides of the box are really, really well set in, essentially. Hmm. I still remember a time where people thought that, like, when there was, wasn't that many high-level tournaments that once it got, I mean, this is a while ago now, that once it got to the pro tour, you finally had pros working on it and they would break it. Um, I guess you, you guys feel that could that still happen? Maybe not this format, but uh, that right now, like we're seeing like the F2F opens, we're seeing other like tournaments, but they're not the pros working on it like professionally <laughs> and that those are the ones that crack it. And we do see them. It, 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 it's been a while. So, right. Like it's been a while since we've had this style of pro tour. So I, I am curious if, you know, at any point, one of these PTs, like a professional team just comes up with like some sick broken deck that no one's uh, thought about. There, there are no pros except for people yeah. who produce content. And those people are going to share the content. Otherwise, their content is worthless. I, I agree with that for the most part. I think um, the, the time period where that was happening was slightly different. Mm-hmm. But I, I also think that, and this happens like probably 10 times more now. But that was just like a copycat idea. It was that people weren't willing to put the work in their cell, themselves and they were just going to copy what the pros did. It's not that the pros were doing anything really special. It's just nobody either trusted their own opinion or they were just going to pr- trust the pros more. And so like, I think, is it Milan is his name? The one who played on the chef show? He, yep, he won a, a, a PTQ on Moto with Angels not long ago a couple weeks and like angels was a deck, but nobody really respected it. And then he won with it, changed a couple cards. And all of a sudden it's like, boom, angels is the default best aggro deck. And it, the power level didn't change the, the spot in the format didn't change. People just played it more. And then they realized like, Oh, these play patterns, I can beat up on mono white. I can beat up on gruel. I can clock Lotus some amount of the time, but nothing changed. It, it wasn't broken. It, it's just people were more willing to, play it they just copied his list and did something it and so like i i think that's just going to keep happening until the end of time and when things are broken they weren't broken people just weren't playing them or like if something is broken like this is what i think is going to happen with amulet coming forward is like people are just going to learn how to beat it and then they're going to learn how to sideboard against it and then they're learning going to learn how play patterns work in the first like Three weeks after this Mycosin's Garden card comes out, people are going to panic. They don't know what's happening. They're going to complain. And then somebody's like, hey, put Blood Moon in your sideboard. And everybody's like, oh, my God, Blood Moon. This card was printed yesterday. I've never heard of this card. And it beats Amulet. And it's like, no. And this just keeps happening over and over and over again. And it just happens a lot in Pioneer because, I don't know, people would rather complain than actually put in the work. Yeah, that, the, exactly what Derek is describing is sort of what happened. I'm not saying that Is It Phoenix is a great deck right now, because I don't think it is. You better not say it's a great but, deck. But it was, like, completely unplayable, and then I think, like, 
Nathan did really well in the mocks, or like queued for the mocks with it. And then everyone's like, oh yeah, Phoenix. And it's not a single card's different about his list, his cyber plan, almost no changes. And all of a sudden everyone was back on Phoenix and it crushed like the first two RCQs and or RCs and then fell off. And the same, I think you're right about Amy. The same thing's going to happen with it. It's going to really crush because people aren't going to know what to do. And then all of a sudden there's a lot of dress downs around a lot of blood moons around and like Not on a lot of unholy heats and things are just going to change. Yeah. I, I don't think that's an absolute. I mean, obviously things can change and there's nuance. Sometimes you have random bones thrown in the mix, but in general the past year and a half or since the new organized play was announced, like the pros that were doing something before aren't doing anything. It's just content creators. Like Andy said. Yeah. And that, that's why, Hammer and, and Merktide sit atop of the modern tier list is because everyone knows they're really good, they get targeted, and they still win a lot. And that's what makes the decks tier one, is they're public enemy number one, and they're still number one. So I guess I should put my bets on Derek if it's all about uh, format experience. I'm, uh... <laughs> uh, I, I'm a big fan of don't, don't count your chickens before they hatch. <laughs> all right. I, I think... Uh... I was going to just do this with uh, Ginger and Annie, but we're going to keep this fun topic with Ash on. Um, Ash, I don't know how much you care about, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's like popular talk, like best player of all time or, or, or best player in Canada. Like, are you a Kai? Are you um, a Finkel or a PV guy? You know, you can't even remember their names. Obviously, it's Kai. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, what tournament are we talking here exactly? I, I, I'll put a name forward. Are we talking about the PT exactly? If I'm talking about the PT, I'm gonna I'm gonna rep my boy Joseph, for, even for Worlds. Um, he doesn't. He he's not. I, he's not uh, as well known as the other players, and yeah, I don't think he's got the best shot. But he's my boy, so I'm gonna root for him regardless. Um, I don't know. I think there's a lot of good players throughout Canada, and like obviously, like we saw with like um. um we, we saw who goes to the top of both RCs, and I, I don't know. I think any of those players could, like, pretty easily take it. Like, obviously, Andy and Derek are, like, really skilled players. Um, we saw a lot of um, – I'm trying to think. We, I think there's one Alberta person I can root for. Violet. Violet. Go Violet. I root for Violet. Um, that's really all. I don't, I don't have a lot of horses in this race, minus my friends and Alberta people. So, go them. <laughs> And Andy, uh, just well, just because he just did it, he passed the all-time scoring list. Is LeBron the best player of all time? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> is that is that like a hundred percent yes, or like a, I'm saying yes because it's a hot topic? Um, there's a lot of nuance, so I think there's a lot oh, of ways a lot you of can nuance, nuance the best? to <laughs> LeBron being the best. Um, Listen. LeBron yes. doesn't have the last dance made about him. Have you seen the last dance? I have. If you put Jordan like in LeBron's shoes and he gets all of like the training and all that stuff and gets all access to all that, then yeah, maybe Jordan would end up being better. But as like time and technology and people's bodies advance, they're just going to be better. It just constantly happens. Records just keep getting broken, right? Like at the Olympics and stuff. It's because people get better at doing the thing. For sure. Um, in terms of uh, the like some of the best players on the pro tour in, in the past, Ash, were you following that when uh, like oh, a little bit of my come up? Um, 
I would say that I was very ignorant and very didn't pay attention to magic until I started like streaming actively, which was like mm -hmm. start of the pandemic. Cause like I was out of school. I didn't have anywhere to go. I was locked in a room with a computer and whatever. I was like, you know, let's just stream. Let's see where this goes. <laughs> um, and so I only really started like keeping up with them with like when like the online PTs were existing. And I was like, I would help my friends with standard at the time. Like, um, and whatever formats or sorry whatever things were then uh but i don't i don't really keep up with like the big pros like if you ask me anything about any players that happened before 2020 i have no clue like not my expertise and, well and i'm sure like with the lack of um like the the tournaments that we were accustomed to in the past andy like people are gonna be like who to a lot of people on the on the all-time list that i've seen like um, it's a good topic like we saw uh, Magic.gg post the all-time list, money list, and PV being the only one to clear $1 million. Um, and then a lot of names that I see on the list are people that were in their prime when, you know, before, like, way, like the years before the pandemic. Um, names that, you know, when I guess when I was playing, I would say that I would know of. Um, the Nassifs, the, the Manfields uh, are on the top of the list. And, uh, you know, the Ben Starts, the Brad Nelsons. Kai is 11th on this list. LSV, 10th. Uh, Reed Duke, a 9th. But, uh, Andy, do you have a strong opinion on who, who you know, just, just to put it out there, you know, best all-time MTG player? It's Paulo. Like, the best results with, like, when the formats aren't as free and he, yeah, he just, he's the best. He's the best ever. Well, like he has, I think the most top finishes, I think he passed Finkel in that. And he's like one a pro tour at, at least one, right? Is he won two? He might've even won two. And yeah, he just showed complete dominance in the game the entire time he was there. And I think it was the toughest time to be dominant in the game. Derek, Derek. <laughs> I think it's Kai. Um, I think PV is very close. I think um, I think what Kai did is never going to be passed. I think his uh, his run was insane, and I think uh, <coughs> despite PV's recent success, like uh, he's just never going to do what Kai did ever. Holy, f <coughs> yeah, Kai's playing. Kai's playing against a bunch of plumbers and janitors, <laughs> just like Jordan, baby. I think Derek, Derek, you take the Jordan side then, right? Like you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know that much about basketball, but uh, I don't know. Jordan was just—he um, was out out of everybody's league. It wasn't close. Like he had two very good players on his team, and like he's just the greatest of all time still. So I don't know. Yeah, the thing that yeah, Jordan. That's why there's. I was saying there's so much nuance to it. Jordan was like much better than his peers than LeBron is, but LeBron's peers are so like the talent level in the league right now is like five x what it was in Jordan's era. What's it's pretty consistent, at least if you're going with Kai and Jordan, and then you go with LeBron and PB, um, and I think. Um, how many other – I don't know what we're going to do with this topic with you, Ash. How many video games – do you play a lot of video games these days besides Magic? I play a lot of Valorant and I play a lot of Hearthstone. That's really it. Uh, Tarkov uh, got my interest for a little bit, but that was really it. I don't think those games would uh... – are you more of a controller guy or a keyboard and mouse guy? Keyboard and mouse. 
That's all, right, that's what I was growing up on. Uh, I, I grew up on, uh, what was it, CSGO, and uh, at the age of 12, I think I started watching that. Um, and then I, I obviously I had my Minecraft era, like every every Zoomer does. Um, not that, those were the games that I played for forever. I only I only play a very few set amount of games and try to get really good at them versus being bad at a lot of games for fun. I prefer to get good at a few amount of games. Andy, I'll let you set this up, Andy. Like, um, I don't know if you're referring to a specific game or in yeah, general. You're selling me out here. You're like, what are your favorite <laughs> games? Like, oh, a bunch of these like jerky FPS shooters. Like, yeah, don't play. Use a freaking controller in these games. <laughs> but like the the topic came up because Derek and I oh, were in Discord and he's playing Hades, and I see this like cursor thing going around, and I'm like, Derek, are you playing on a keyboard and mouse with Hades? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Because the best thing about a game like that, like a nice roguelite where you can like relax, play, and you get to do a bunch of runs, you can die, it's like fun, is control, you get to kick back, baby. You get to lean back, play the game. I think I'm that's here just fighting like... for my life on like level 10 or whatever of Hades, like clicking furiously and Andy's in my ear like, what are you doing? You're insane. Meanwhile, I have like 70 hours locked into this game already. He's like, what do you mean you don't have a controller? I'm like, man, I play Valorant, Moto, and Hades. And you think, you think that I have like 400 controllers in my closet? He's like, you're insane. And so I start asking people. I'm like, hey, do you play with keyboard and mouse for this? And they're like, yeah, why wouldn't I? And I'm like, I'm getting gaslit by Andy because every other person in the world plays with keyboard and mouse like normally because it's a normal person thing to do and then it's just like andy's like what do you mean i have a controller for you i have 300 controllers i buy controllers for a living i'll sell one to you right now this is like toronto and phoenix he's like phoenix sucks i top baited scoreboard it's like what what are you talking about like all right let me set the record straight I offered to give him a controller for free. Andy stole five controllers from Walmart and offered to give him one. <laughs> right off the truck. But, uh, but but anyways, the point is like all these like controller normies aren't going to be looking up like how's this little bugger playing Hades. But all you mouse and keyboard Hades players, I'm sure every day they start the day by opening up Twitter and typing in the search bar like mouse and keyboard Hades because they want to get into it because that's that's what their life's about. It's all they got going on. You're making us out click, to look click. like we're, we're psychopaths. You brought this up in Discord. You yeah, I brought it up crazy. because you're psychopaths. Yeah, exactly. I don't think it's a psychopath. Unbelievable. I, I mean, I'm just an innocent bystander here, so I guess I got to give judgment. I, I, I mean, like, the Zoomer era, I got to agree with Derek here. I, I hate to break it to you, Andy. I think you're just a boomer. You're old. You have kids. You're oh, done yeah. for. I have one Bro, kid. When when you were like 14, wasn't like the like the original PS like your your jam or something like that. Like you're just like used to all these like old controller things. That's true. The dad card. You were holding a controller out of the womb. Sega Dreamcast, N64, PS1, PS2. Derek, on God, what was your first system? PS1. The Wii. Damn. Super Nintendo, baby. <laughs> the Wii, oh, good times. The Wii was great. I never, I never had an Xbox or a PS growing up. I just had PC and the Wii, so it was just Dance and Counter Strike. <laughs> All right, let's wrap wrap this uh, 
up with uh what's the well those guys are playing the pt lucky them uh yep. what's your big next big event ash um i'm gonna try to spike some challenges this weekend that's really it i'm not really going to rc2 because uh, you could not pay me to play standard the fact that i have to pay money to fly to vancouver to play standard no not for me not gonna do that um i'm just grinding until i get both my invites for this season and then i'm probably just gonna play a bunch of valorant but um i'm just i'm out here trying to make content now uh, i we got like 60 followers for posting druid content so I, sky's the limit what, what's your plan for content uh stream on twitch write uh whatever i can i don't know i i i i'm a regular on the first pioneers podcast so i usually talk about whatever that with that whenever they they, they end up deciding we talk about we talk about um, I guess it's because um, it's not on your Twitter. Oh no, no, it is on your Twitter. Just no link, but Ashiok underscore Nightmare underscore Weaver on Twitch, and people can I guess message you. Dreams of Ashiok on Twitter or MTGO. Uh, anything else you might want to plug? Uh, shout out to Edmonton Gamers. I love all of you. I got a Discord full of them, and they're always so lovely. Just even like anyone in that Discord is just a homie and a half because. They were there to celebrate me for the 5 0. When, the, when, I, when I was like aware that I got top eight, they were all so stoked for me. And they're all just like such a supportive group of people. So shout out to them. Uh, shout out to Andy for just existing. You're a blessing. Love you. Um, that's really it. Yeah, um, that's everyone here. So, <laughs> and uh, like, like the podcast, are you one of the main guys or you're just uh, a recurring uh, guest? That that's a good you? question. Okay. I don't know the answer. I'm just kind of a recurring guest that is also a mainstay. That's also I don't know, man. I'm just on there a lot because they like me. I mean, I mean, you're great. I, I think you're a great guest for any any show. I mean, you have thoughts on all different cards. Uh, I mean, it's it's great whenever I have you on. You just have a lot of uh, content, new information, and unique insight that uh, you know you'd be an asset to any podcast, in my opinion. I just got the Zoomer mindset, man. That's that's I, I came up through, but I'm like I'm like kind of I'm kind of old for the Zoomers though. So and I don't fit in with like the old boomers. I'm like at that perfect age, so I fit in with everyone <laughs> and no one. All right. Any last words from Derek or Andy? All right, we out and uh, see you next week. Thanks, thanks for uh, coming on, Ash. You're Ciao. Y'all are recording the. Uh, I didn't realize I was supposed to talk. I thought you were actually ended. No, it's fine. No, no it's I'm okay. just going to edit this out. So uh, thanks sure for coming on. And we're going to do the fault. intro like uh, once. Yeah. Uh, once y'all, y'all were like talking super competitive. I was just kind of like, I have these fun white cards I'm testing. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> like y'all are talking about the PT. And I'm just like, dude, I'm playing <laughs> leagues, man. I'm playing leagues. <laughs> That doesn't I matter. Played, I haven't played a league in like two months, three Bro, months. Bro, I all I can do doesn't is matter. play leagues, man. I can't play any dude. Every single time I try to go play a paper event right now, everyone's just like, "Oh my god!" And then when they beat me, all I do is hear about them brag to their friends, and so I just stop showing up to my LGS. So it's just leagues now. I just can't. Yeah, I don't. I don't show up to my LGS either. Yeah, I know, because like if you there's no winning, because if you lose, then it's fucking they, they're they're riding high and they're telling their parents when they get home. But if I win, then I'm just bullying kids. Honestly, it never bothers me when they like gloat in my face. They're, like they're super stoked to beat me. I'm like, yeah, cool. Like, yeah, 
when you when you're like 20 and over someone and they get their w like i think i think you're doing all right yeah yeah it's usually that it's usually that feeling but every once in a while i'll shoot things i'm just trying to cast out the fairy dog but anyway i'll let you guys record your record your shit i'm gonna you're go awesome. i'm probably gonna go brew another coffee and then i'm live on twitch all right see you gamers how do I leave this shit? I think that's a good question. Oh, I figured it out. Bye. Get him out of here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was so funny. And shout out to Andy. Just Andy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a beauty. All right. Um, right Imagine if he like played with other good players. Like I've I've seen Edgar lose some really rough matches to some randoms, and it's been like rough to watch and Edgar's just like yeah whatever <laughs> yeah I, I i i couldn't care less if the player's good or bad if they beat me yeah like you, or like if they do something that's like really dumb like oh they sideboarded this card that's really stupid it's like you just take the l and you know yeah. you'll beat them more often than not yeah i guess that's just what happens when you're 30 you know i've lost so much <laughs>